hey, it's great to be with you, Hope City. It's great to be here together and online or in person. It's just good to be together. Uh, we are continuing our series today called Around the Table. Talking uh, last week, we started this series talking about Jesus came to do what? Seek and save the lost. And the method of choice that he often chose was sitting around a table. The idea that Jesus would seek and save the lost around a table. You look through the Gospel of Luke, and often what you'll find is Jesus was entering a meal, sitting at a meal, leaving a meal. Jesus was around a table a lot. And so over the course of this series, we're looking at being around the table ourselves. How do we dive into good food? Dive into deepening our faith and developing stronger friendships, right? Food, faith, and friendships. Like, who doesn't want any of those? Anybody? Not even a hallelujah and amen, and we are a Pentecostal church. Uh, Food, faith, and friends. Those are good things. Those are key ingredients, right? We want those things. And so over the course of this series, it's going to take us right up to Thanksgiving to a different table. Uh, we, are, we are looking at these transformational moments that happen around the table. And as you look at the early church and you look at Jesus, we see these transformational moments take place. And we are engaging in that, not just in talking about it on Sunday mornings, but also trying some other things. You heard in the video about dinner groups. I want you to join a dinner group and actually practice what we're talking about. Sit around a table with people. Talk. Get to know people. Have food, faith, and friends sometime this week. You can join a dinner group where we've got table talk cards available for you, all right? These little cards with questions. You can pick these up and, and, and talk with your kids, your spouse, your neighbors, your roommates, your significant other. You know, sit around the table and talk with people about these things that we're talking about as a church. Even talking about food, every Sunday of this series, we're going to have food. I told you earlier, we got croissants today. Yes, they're buttery soft and they are good. Uh, but... We want everyone to participate in this. This is more than just expanding our intellect. This is about engaging these areas of our life with food, faith, and friendship. It's for all of us. I think it's timely for us as a church. Today we're talking about this idea of a diverse table. That when we gather around a table, our tendency is to gather around a table with people that are similar to us. They look like us. They sound like us. They are us. And this week, as we look at Peter and Cornelius sitting around a table, having a meal together, what do we see? We see people that are different. Different for who they are. Not what they do, but who they are. Peter is a Jew. Cornelius is a Gentile. Their differences is not based on um, action, appearance, job. It is on things of who they are. And, And thinking about our tables that we gather around, we tend to gather around people Similar in race, similar in gender, similar in age, similar in language, similar in all of these kind of uncontrollable factors. And yet those are the things that define us. and Those are the things that gather around our tables in similarity. Next week we're going to talk about being around the table with people that are different than us based on what they do. But today is being different in who we are. What happens when we broaden our table to gather around people different than us? What happens? When I'm sitting at a table with people that have seen the world differently than me, that look differently than me, that sound differently than me, that have experienced more because they've been around longer than me or younger than me, what happens at that table? 
in preparation for today, I, I stumbled upon this organization called The People's Supper. And this is not an endorsement. We're not giving money to them. I'm not telling you to go join their mailing list or anything. But I found it interesting to, to learn about this organization where their, their thing came out of 2016 in the election. How many of you remember? That was a fun time. The 2016 election was a very united time in our country, wasn't it? Everybody just loved each other well. And hence, you can sense the sarcasm there. This organization launched to try to unite people around meals. They strive to bring people who look different, sound different, believe different, vote different, and, and bring people around the table to talk, to have tough conversations, right? Their, their motto is to, this is their company slogan, we believe that social change moves at the speed of relationships and that relationships move at the speed of trust. And so their idea is that trust is built and, and is a catalytic moment when gathered around a table with people. And statistically speaking, just since 2016, they've had 10,000 people around dinners in over 100 different cities. 10,000 people in 100 different cities sharing meals together, having tough conversations because meals build trust. They connect people. Right? We, we, we see each other in a different way. We're not having a bunch of side conversations when we're sitting around a table, do we? Right? You don't have unless it's a giant table at Red Robin, right? But we're talking about in a living room or a dining room. Meals unite people together, bring people from different walks and different paths and experiences. A quote that I saw on their website was from Martin Luther King, and it says this. I want to read his quote because it, just, it challenged me, but I think it speaks to the heart of what they're trying to do. Dr. King said, I am convinced that men hate each other because they fear each other. And they fear each other because they don't know each other. And they don't know each other because they don't communicate with each other. And they don't communicate with each other because they're separated from each other. And so they're at the People's Supper trying to get people to sit around a table. To be near each other, to communicate with each other, to listen to each other, to know each other, so that they won't hate each other, they will unite together. I think it inspires me. Learning about this, reading about this, it inspires me that instead of rhetoric used to divide, they're using an opportunity around a meal to unite people. And we see that with Peter and Cornelius. But this is more than a dinner party with Peter and Cornelius. This is a Diverse table, yes, but it is life-changing. It is church-altering. It is a catalytic moment at this dinner party with Peter and Cornelius. Peter comes over for dinner and starts preaching the good news. The gospel of Jesus is being preached. The Holy Spirit shows up. Brandon just read it, right, in its entirety in chapter 10 of the book of Acts. And, and, and the Holy Spirit shows up, and what happens? They begin speaking in tongues. They begin praising God. The Jewish crew that's with Peter is just amazed, like, what is happening? This is not what we expected. They begin to see, and they are shocked because God is not playing favorites here at the table. He looks around the table and says, yeah, the Holy Spirit's for them, and them, and them, and them, and them, and them. It's for everybody. And so the Jewish audience that's at this dinner party is, is amazed and shocked. Peter's like, well... They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
we better go baptize them with water because if Jesus came to bring the Holy Spirit to them, then he definitely died on the cross for them and we're going to celebrate their salvation and stuff, right? So they go and they baptize these people and and celebrate their acceptance into God's family. This is a catalytic church-altering moment. You see that in chapter 11 because Peter has to go back to Jerusalem to all of the Jewish Christian leaders and they just... They say, good job, brother. Nope. Chapter 11, this is what they say. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers, the Jewish Christian leaders, criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. How dare you? Because in their culture, the Jews and Gentiles didn't even eat together. That was too intimate. Because food brings us together. Meals bring us together. There's a sense of intimacy. If somebody comes over to your house for dinner, is that more intimate than going to Red Robin? Yes, because they see your home. They're in your home. It is very exposed in that way. So Peter eating with this group goes against all of their lines of comfort and boundaries and lines of separation, and yet this transformational moment occurs, and I thought about this story and thought, Man, oh man, this could have been missed. This whole moment that changed the altar, changed the trajectory of the church could have been missed if Peter hadn't been such an inspiring example to us. This transformational moment would have been missed if his prejudice and his bias and his division would have divided the table rather than united the table. And, and, And I fear that I could miss on moments like that catalytic moments around a table because of prejudice or bias, stereotypes. And I think we all have them. We may not speak them, we may not feel them, we may not, we, we, well, we feel them, but we won't speak them. Judgments about race or language or age, gender, as we look at Peter and Cornelius, we see Jesus is establishing a diverse table, not a divided table. It's a diverse table, not a divided table. And so I want to learn from Peter's example in chapter 10 and, and find ways that I don't miss these catalytic moments. I don't want to miss what God wants to do in and through my life and through the community that I have and the sphere of influence that I have. I could be a part of a catalytic moment, and I don't want to miss that and the opportunity to be at a diverse table. So let's look at Peter's example here. One is that he allows for quiet time. Prior to his going to Cornelius' house, he has this moment of quiet time. He has a vision during his prayer time. He goes up to pray. He has this vision where he can clearly see this picture from God of this sheet with all of this food dropping on it, right? And, and they're really, like, Peter's looking at all this food and God's saying, eat. And Peter's like, uh-uh, no, I don't eat that. They're gross food, right? It kind of reminds you of that scene out of Temple of Doom when the lady's sitting at the dinner table, right? And she's just like, oh, God, no, we're not eating bugs and monkey brains and all of that. That's how Peter viewed this vision. He's just like, "Uh uh-uh, no, we don't eat those foods, God. And it's in that moment of prayer time, it's in that quiet time that God says, well, if I declare it clean, it's clean. But he's not just talking about foods being acceptable. He's talking about people being acceptable. And this vision was preparing him for that. That's why in verse 28 that Brandon read, 
We see Peter say, you are well aware that it is against the law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or to visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. This is radical for Peter to say this. And, and you know that it's radical because you know after the fact he's going to go get smashed across the face with criticism. He knows that it's a major conflict for him, but what has happened? He slowed down and he sat with Jesus and he had a time to pray. And it's in that quiet time that God transformed his heart. It's like preheating the oven. How many of you love to bake? Maybe who are foodies in the, in the house, right? Who loves to cook and bake and all this? I know how to turn the oven on. I just don't know how to use it properly, okay? I am not a cook, but I understand the importance of preheating because there are frozen pizzas and frozen lasagnas that dad has had to cook, Okay? I understand the purpose of preheating the oven, and it's preheating the oven that gets it ready so that when you're ready to put that frozen lasagna or that cake or whatever in, it's ready to cook. It's ready to go. you got to take time to preheat. Well, Peter's quiet time with the Lord, prior to his meeting with Cornelius, God's preheating his heart. Just changing some things, preparing some things, getting it ready. It's in that time that he has this inner struggle and, he, and those bias, those prejudices, those stereotypes rise to the surface. His issue with Cornelius is not Cornelius' conduct. Luke even says this in chapter 10. He says, Cornelius is a good man. He's a generous man. He's trying to do the right thing. He's spiritually curious. He's on, like, on pursuit of the kingdom of God. So it's not his conduct that is repelling Peter. It is his race his heritage, his lineage. That's the problem for Peter. And yet Peter is able to embrace this awkward and uncomfortable moment for himself. Why? Because he allowed for a quiet time for God to speak to his heart and prepare for it. Prepare it. And I think it's an encouragement to us as we step into uncomfortable situations, diverse situations, uh, out of our comfort zone situations. It's important for us to stop and pray. When I go and, and, and have lunch in our community with, with people at the Chamber of Commerce or, or when I go to a birthday party with, to, to people that I don't even know but my kid knows them through soccer or through school, it's an opportunity before I jump in and walk into that setting to pray, to allow for that quiet time and say, God, how do you need to prepare my heart? What do you want to say? What do you want to do? I'm going to wait. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be prepared. The second thing that Peter does is he accepts invitations. Peter said yes to an invitation that he probably would have said no to. If he hadn't had this quiet time, he probably would have seen Cornelius' servants come to the door. And what do you think his answer would have been? Yeah, I got laundry to do, man. You want me to come and hang out with a Gentile? No, I, I, got, I got some errands to run. I got to go to Costco. Uh, I got work in the morning. Uh, I got plans I have to make. And yet, despite that inner conflict of his comfort zone and his bubble being popped, Peter says yes. Think about how bold that took, how much boldness that took. In verse 29, he's telling Cornelius about this, and he says, So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. All of that was dealt with in the quiet time. So when the invitation comes, what is his response? Yeah, heck yes, I'm going. Let's do this. 
Learning from Peter's example, if I want to be around a diverse table, if I want to see catalytic moments, I've got to be willing to say yes to invitations that would normally be on my no list. No, I, I, that's, that's not for me. No, that's a little uncomfortable. I don't know a lot of people. No, that, you want me to go to your house? How about you come to my house? And I'm recognizing, as I'm looking at Peter's story, I'm thinking back about how many moments people invite you to things, invite me to things. Hey, why don't you come over for a barbecue? Hey, why don't you come over and watch the Hawks game? Hey, why don't you come over and do this? They want you on their turf. We're giving them home field advantage. We're not saying come and be with me. No, I'm risking to go with people, to go to people, to get out of my comfort zone to go be in your comfort zone. Right? See, that's what Peter's doing, is he's saying yes to an invitation. I had this, uh, this summer, I got invited, our family got invited to go see monster trucks at the Speedway. That is not my scene. Uh, you talk about going to the monster truck rally at the Speedway, my first inclination is, that's a foreign country to me. Uh, I've been there before, and I tell you, it, it's like Peter going into a, into a foreign land, right? It, that's what it felt like because there's, there's culture, there's language, there's liturgy when you go to the speedway, right? There's apparel that they're all wearing. It's like everybody looks the same, and they're all wearing the same shirts and hats, and they're speaking the same and drinking the same Bud Light, right, all together. And there's the same vocabulary coming out of their mouth. And, and you just kind of look around and like, I don't know how I fit in this, I, and monster trucks are just loud. What do they do? <sighs> Crush everything. Like, so when somebody invites us over and says, hey, you want to go see monster trucks? How much is it? <laughs> is it free? No, it's going to be $80. Sweet. I'm so excited. All of that lasted about a nanosecond because the invite came from somebody that doesn't go to our church, somebody we met through Little League, somebody who we've been building relationship with. It took about a nanosecond for me to process all of the reasons not to and say, somebody that doesn't go to my church, somebody that doesn't know Jesus, somebody that wants to be around me is inviting me in. Yes, I'm going. Let's go. I don't care what it costs. You can ask April. It didn't take long for me to say, yep, let's do it. And I'll tell you what, we got out of our bubble, we went and watched monster trucks, and in that setting, we had some incredible conversation, sitting on the bleachers of the Skagit Speedway, monster trucks crushing cars, even with earplugs in, we had engaging conversation, vulnerable conversation, honest conversation that they were sharing their life with us that hadn't happened up until that point because we accepted invitations to go out of our comfort zone. Not just say, why don't you come to our place? Why don't you come be with me and do, no. Peter went on a Gentile home turf. He didn't just say, no, bring Cornelius to me. He said, no, I'll go to Cornelius. And as I think about that, I think about how much change really happens when I'm in my comfort zone. How much do I really grow when I'm safe and comfortable? How much do we grow? I grow when I'm uncomfortable because I'm depending way more on Jesus than on myself. The third thing that Peter does in this story is he asks questions. I don't know if you noticed, in verse 29, Peter asks a question when he shows up at Cornelius' house. He's a smart dude. 
he asks, may I ask you why you sent for me? He doesn't just lead into it, right? He doesn't just come with his big giant Bible and, and all of his stories of Jesus and say, thump, let's get these guys for Jesus, which is sometimes our approach when we get around people that are different than us and we just, well, let me convince you why you're wrong or convince you why you need to be like me or convince you why I'm right. He goes in, he accepts the invitation, and he asks a question. Why have you sent for me? Why am I here? And Cornelius begins to share. And in his answer, you begin to see his spiritual curiosity. He's desiring Jesus, but he's not using that language. He's just like, man, whatever God has put on your heart, just tell us. Because I believe that God's got something for you to say to us. He doesn't use the name. like He, he doesn't use the spiritual vernacular that Peter was about to just launch into, but by asking questions, he's able to see and understand where Cornelius is at. He doesn't come in just like, well, you're lesser than me. You're a loser because you're a Gentile. I know all the answers. Here's all the answers to the questions you're not asking. No, he comes in and he asks questions, and what does that do? It helps them be able to engage in conversations. Asking those questions keeps him from being judgmental and making assumptions and dividing even further around the table. And I was struck by that in Peter's story, and then I noticed it in an episode of a show uh, called Ted Lasso, which is on Apple TV. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I don't want to endorse that show because <laughs> there's a lot of crude language. So I'm going to show you a clean clip from that show. Uh, but there was a lot of coarse language, and, and it, yeah, I don't want to say, like, go watch all Ted Lasso and binge it, because uh, then some of you will send me some emails. But the show's premise is this guy that was a college football coach in the Midwest and gets hired in England to coach soccer, or football, as they call it. And he moves over there, and obviously, and needless to say, he stands out like a sore thumb, right? He just, he speaks with a different accent. He doesn't know the game. He, he just stands out in this setting. And in this scene, he makes a bet with somebody with a high-stakes wager. And, and as he's doing this, uh, he expands on this idea of being curious and asking questions. Let's take a look, and we'll hopefully YouTube will not censor us or quiet us here uh, in this clip. You're gonna have to turn it way up. It's playing darts. <laughs> Good luck. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work, and all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out, and so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. <sighs> Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> if they were curious, they would ask questions. You know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? <laughs> to which I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to 16 when he passed away. Barbecue sauce. 
that clip right there, what you see is people assume. And when we see somebody different than us, whether it's where they're from or how they speak or what they look like, we make assumptions. We judge people. And that clip, along with Peter's story, just reminds me to ask questions, to not assume, to not judge, not to divide. But by asking questions, it fosters communication. It fosters connection. And this can happen anywhere. But, but in this context, we're talking about being around the table with people, asking questions. I was at a birthday party last night with people that I barely knew. I had to ask a guy his first name. And all I did was ask him about his life. And he just opened the floodgates of conversation. It didn't take much. But when we find ourselves in that uncomfortable or diverse or different setting, and I say it's uncomfortable because it's new and it's different. We don't always know what to say in those tough moments. We're like, I don't know how to not be awkward. But by asking questions, and that's all Peter did. Why am I here? What's going on? Who are you? What's this about? And as we look at this story, we see that this meal was life-changing for Cornelius and his family. Their faith, it's an incredible impact made in their life, right? But look at the impact that it has on Peter. Think about Peter. God used a meal to teach Peter about the kingdom of God. Think about that. God used a meal to teach Peter about the kingdom of God. And you would think Peter would have had it figured out. He walked with Jesus for three years. He's going to go on to write a huge portion, uh, chunks of the New Testament scriptures that we live our lives on. And he used this meal in Acts chapter 10 to teach him about the kingdom of God. That God doesn't play favorites. That all are welcome. That the family of God sits around a table and they don't all look the same, sound the same. Regardless of country and color and language and gender and age, God's family is diverse. And he welcomes us around the table. Jesus is establishing a diverse table, not a divided table. You see this in the Old Testament with the prophet of Isaiah. I want to read this scripture. Look at the way he describes heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven someday? I mean, every hand, right? I don't know that anyone's sitting in here like, meh. Isaiah 25, 6. This is Isaiah, the prophet, talking about eternity in heaven. Look at the way he describes it. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food. Heaven's a feast. Prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of aged wine, the best meats and the finest of wine. Eternity is a feast. Eternity has a table. And as you read Isaiah, he says, for all peoples. Well, you go on the next couple of verses, and he uses phrases like all faces, all nations, all peoples. That's God's family. That's God's table. That's heaven. You all want heaven? It's a diverse table. We won't all look the same, sound the same, and be the same. But that's the beauty of God's family. And as I immerse myself in these mealtimes around diverse tables, and I'm trying to, I am not perfect at this, but this has just been something stirring on my heart lately. And then as I read Peter, I'm just so challenged and I'm so inspired by it. But what I learn is I'm like Peter, and I need to learn more about the kingdom of God. 
I need to sit at those tables and learn because I'm going to learn to develop empathy and listening and hearing stories. I'm going to learn more about God's heart for people. I'm going to learn more about people that Jesus came to die for. I want to develop that in me. I want a better grasp of the kingdom of God, just like Peter. I want to learn to see people the way Jesus sees them. And if Jesus was here, he would sit around the table with them. Can I pray for us? I don't think anybody's going to say no. I'm going to pray for two groups. One who feels like Peter and one who feels like Cornelius today. First, I want to pray for us that feel like Peter. We need our bubble popped. We need to get out of our comfort zone. We need to allow for that quiet time for the Lord to speak to our hearts. We need to accept invitations. We need to ask questions. We need to engage with a diverse table. God, I pray for the Peters represented. Those of us, God, that we're... We know we're a part of your family, God, and I pray that you would just begin to open up opportunities for us to sit around and expand our heart, expand our opportunities, expand our table. Even in this moment, God, what I see in this text, God, is that your heart is for all people. And so today is not about our politics. It is not about social issues. This is about people that you love. And that transcends our country, our political parties, our views. Open up meals. Open up tables. Help us to listen and empathize and ask questions, God, and and help us to develop a heart for the people that you love. I want to pray also for those that feel like Cornelius today. You can just stay in an attitude of prayer with your eyes closed. Today you might feel more like Cornelius than Peter. You felt like an outside of the family type of person today as you walked in or as you're watching online. You feel marginalized, and you're trying to be a good person. You feel like a decent citizen. You're trying to be generous. You're trying to be nice. Underneath all of that effort is this longing for spiritual fulfillment. And and like Cornelius, you needed to hear truth today. Truth that Jesus loves you. He loves you. That Jesus gives you a way to experience forgiveness and a fresh start for all of your mistakes. That Jesus welcomes, into your, welcomes you into his family. I believe somebody needed to hear that today. That regardless of who you are, Jesus loves you. Regardless of the exclusion and hurt and pain of your past, Jesus loves you. And he welcomes you into his family and he welcomes you to his table. If you feel like Cornelius today, would you just raise your hand? No one's looking around. I just want to pray for you. You're trying really hard. 
You just need to be reminded that God loves you. Jesus, I thank you for loving us. I thank you that you forgive us, and I pray that you would be the king of our lives. And I thank you for accepting us into your family. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. If you'd like more information regarding Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.